Put it on your menu. That is the title for today's message. We've been studying the book of James on and off since late April, and today we will finish chapter four. We have one more chapter to go, and we should finish chapter five in the next three weeks. I know, everyone says, hooray. Since it's been a while, James began chapter four talking about being at war with God. He ends the chapter talking about the will of God. I'd like for you to hold those two W's together in your mind. War with God and the will of God. The two are related. Warren Worsby says, when a believer is out of the will of God, they become a troublemaker, not a peacemaker. Is that true of your experience? When you have ignored or disobeyed God's will, how's it worked out for you? How's it worked out for others? Has it resulted in more peace, more shalom, more joy, good fruit? Or has it caused injury? As we jump into the text, I'd like for you to think of one or several areas in your life where you need to know what God's will is. You can pick some of the macro issues we're all facing, or it might be like a micro situation that's unique to you. It doesn't really matter. I just want you to identify an area where you can reflect and then apply today's lesson. In your situation, circumstance, or dilemma, what is your attitude towards the will of God? Are you ignoring God's will? Are you outright disobeying God's will? Do you even know what God's will is? Have you asked and sought to know and understand what His will is? Have you assumed that your will and agenda is synonymous with God's will and agenda? Is God interrupting your plans and will? How do you feel about that? Just easy questions, I know. If you have a Bible, let's go to James chapter four and we will start in verse 13 and uh, finish the chapter up. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. This is the word of our Lord. Let's start with verse 13. It says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town, spend a year there, trade and make a profit. Dr. Tony Evans says the phrase, Come now, in modern English could be translated, You've got to be kidding me. James has been addressing their pride, and here, once more, he addresses it again, but in a head-on and specific way. He's actually calling out the rich merchants and small business owners in the church who have this for sure 12-month business plan. Now, I feel the need to clarify just a bit before we move on. The scriptures aren't anti-planning. In fact, the scriptures teach to plan, especially financially. Joseph in Egypt is a great example of this. And uh, Proverbs teaches us to learn from the ant, to save, to plan, to think ahead, etc. Proverbs 16.9 also says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. 
So making plans is not where we get into trouble. Where we fall is when we make plans but fail to surrender them to God and welcome his approval or interruption. Now, I like to plan, and I have a hard time coping with changing after those plans are made. One thing that has helped me in this area is to think of my plans as jello. And if you've spent any time around me in leadership, you know I will try to always clarify if we're speaking in jello or if we're speaking in concrete. It's one thing to make plans in jello, it's a whole nother thing to make them in concrete. To tweak the analogy a little bit, it's one thing to make plans in pencil, and it's a whole nother thing to make them in pen. Or you can make plans in a dry erase marker or Sharpie. So I found it helpful, especially as a leader, talking about, hey, this is a dry erase marker. We could easily change this. I'm not talking in Sharpie or pencil, pen. I didn't have a box of Jello. I really, I'm sorry. But you get the point. James's audience was making plans in concrete, in Sharpie, in pen. They had a timetable. They said today or tomorrow. They had a location, such and such town. They had a schedule, a year. They had a plan to trade and do business. And they had a determined conclusion that they were absolutely going to achieve to make a profit. They had concrete plans. They had Sharpie plans. They had pen plans. And we know this because if we jump to verse 16, we find that they're boasting arrogantly in their concrete plans. Verse 16 says, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So James isn't knocking on the fact that they have plans. He's knocking on them for having concrete plans that they are trusting in, boasting in, and placing all of their weight on. It's not wrong to have a business plan for a year. I think that's probably wise. Um, and it's not wrong to, to aim at going to the city or making a profit or anything. What made those plans in James's context sin for the merchants was that they were boasting in their plans, not God's plans. Now, verse 14 expands on this just a bit. It says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. If you were in a job interview five years ago and the HR rep asked you, where do you see yourself in five years? Could you have answered? In a global pandemic. As you were firing up the proverbial grill on Memorial Day, could you have predicted that George Floyd would have been murdered? We don't know what tomorrow will bring. We don't even know what later today will bring. James 4.14 is referring to Proverbs 27, where it says, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day will bring. Job says the same thing in Job 7. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and come to their end without hope. Remember that my life is a breath. My eye will never again see good. As the cloud fades and vanishes, so he who goes down to Sheol does not come up. I think that's a chapter where Job needed a hug or like the whole book, he needed a hug. A constant challenge we have is we view our life with certainty. I even hope and long for a long life, or as the nerdy saying goes, live long and prosper. We measure our life in years. For example, we just celebrated the seventh birthday of our oldest son, Hayden. 
And in that practice, we're marking his life by years. Now, even at age seven, he gets what's going on. He said to me on his birthday, he said, Dad, I don't feel seven. I still feel like I'm six. And he was like discouraged because he thought he was going to feel different the next day. And he still said, I still feel six. This is weird. But he's figured it out. The year doesn't really feel any different. It's because we really live and change day by day. We measure our life in years, but God tells us to count our days. In Psalm 90, verse 12, it says, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Jesus, of course, echoes this teaching as well when he teaches to not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. In other words, to make it practical, make plans in jello, in pencil, in dry erase marker, but live a day at a time and be open to God's interruptions. I wonder if the reason why we make concrete plans and refuse to flex and adapt to God's will and even boast in our plans is because we have a fear and anxiety and control problem. Verse 15 gives us the instruction on how we should plan. It says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. This is the attitude we should have, if the Lord wills. Or as most say today, God willing. That sometimes can sound like super religious and empty or even glib or trite, but it really should be the deep attitude of our heart. We should say in all things, God willing, because we don't know what will happen tomorrow. We don't know what will happen in an hour. We're all a phone call or news report away from our knees. We should say in, in everything, if the Lord wills, God willing. Now again, we should seek God's will. We should try our best through prayers and discernment. And even I found it helpful to include others in that process and to mutually discern what God's will is because I often just have a small perspective in part. But make plans in jello. Make plans in pencil. Make plans with a dry erase marker but have God's will as your highest aim, not fulfilling the plans that you sketched out. And as always, be ready to be flexible and to adjust when tomorrow comes. Now, here's a quick personal story of how I didn't do this. A couple months ago uh, in June, uh, we went on a family vacation in Colorado and um, I was tired and I was really anxious and afraid and, and mostly clueless about what to do uh, as a part of our church in this pandemic moving forward. And it was starting to look like um, we were going to be in this area for a while. Cases in Texas were spiking. And um, I just had this gut feeling that, you know, even if uh, the school district allowed us to go back in August, I don't know if anyone would go. I don't know if I would want to go. And so I, I was feeling really uh, just like, I have no clue what the future holds. And in a, a space of just abiding and getting away, God surprised me and began to just give me um, just some, some out-of-the-box ideas and, and just began to speak to me. And I started journaling, writing all this stuff down. And it was like, hey, Lord, I'm supposed to be on vacation here. But 
he was speaking. And I was, I mean, I could just see God so clearly and begin to have this incredible sense of peace and joy. And so I, I sent some, some things to, to Jake and to our team and and it was like, oh, that, that is definitely moving in the right direction. And so I called up a, a, a dear friend of mine. And, uh, and we start, and he had the same ideas. And uh, it was like, man, I've already been kind of, kind of tweaking on this. And, I, and I've already been doing this. And um, I, we think we talked for like two hours on the phone. And he said, man, I, he's like, I have not felt this excited about ministry in such a long time. And, and so we kind of resolved on the films like, hey, let's do this together. Uh, you know, I really want you to to do more in our church. Uh, he, he's a part of our church, and um, and so we were super excited about this. And and I mean, just amazing having these incredible phone calls and just like I went from being kind, almost depressed and afraid and ha- having no clue on what to do uh, moving forward with the church to suddenly feeling like I had God's will and his agenda and his plan and divine inspiration and our, our team was on board and, and this this dear friend in our church was on board and, and wanted to kind of come and help us and do more. And it was just so exciting. And then a few weeks go by and, and his wife was, was super excited about it, uh, maybe more so. A few weeks go by and... Um, uh, his wife calls me like over and over and I'm, I'm in a meeting and I just keep seeing her on my phone and I'm like, Oh, something's wrong. And so, um, I, uh, I, I call her and she's, <laughs> so I just go by their house and I stop by and, um, and, and plans changed. Um, another church was in greater need and needed them for a season and that meant that they weren't going to be able to um, both fully engage with the ministry plans that we had designed together. And they were sad about it. And, I, and they just kept saying, Drew, we're worried about you. We're worried about you. Uh, we don't want your feelings to get hurt. And I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, why would my feelings get hurt? Like, obviously, you needed to go do this. Like, I, you know. But the next day, whew, I got angry. <laughs> and I swore. And I... I, I yelled at God and I was like, how, how could you do this? You know? And I, I really had a hard time with, with God changing the plan. And, uh, and, and the plan actually didn't really change. There was just a component and a person that I was personally really excited about being a part of the plan that we thought would be a part of the plan that ended up needing to be a part of a different plan in a different ministry for, for a season. And as we kind of shared this with people on our team and our leaders, like the number one um, thing that people said was, "Oh, we're gonna miss this person," <laughs> you know. And and it, I just I struggled for, and, and honestly, still uh, I'm still struggling with, like God, man, we had this this like clear plan that you, and it was so exciting, and 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 why'd you call this 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 guy away to do something? Uh, I still I'm struggling. He's struggling with it. His wife struggling, but but we know. That in in the larger story, it is God's will, and, and it's best for 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 other ministries and for other churches and for other people. And so, um, I I don't have this down. Is what I'm trying to say is is even now I am struggling with and I am preaching um, in a mirror at myself that that yes, seek God's will, um, uh, make plans in Jello, uh, which is what I try to do. 
And yet, even in this, I kind of subconsciously made a personnel plan in concrete. It was like, ah. And when the Lord busted up the concrete, I, I got upset. I got angry. I got frustrated. And, uh, and I am still dealing with the Lord on that. And I got this opportunity to just say, your will be done. And I humble myself, God. And, um, you know, we, we, we see in part. We uh, discern in part. We don't always, unfortunately, have the clear picture. So all of our lives, all of our plans fall inside, within, and under God's will and agenda. And that is, again, so hard for me to daily grasp. I, I get this and then I go to bed and I wake up the next morning and I have to pray, your will be done. You know, it's just I wake up every morning with my will and I got to exchange it for God's will. I don't know if, that, if you're like that, I'm like that. Um, God's will, though, isn't cold or impersonal. It's not this impersonal agenda. Um, some think that God is this cosmic killjoy. Or, or some might go, oh, Drew, God's just jacking with you. And, and I don't see it like that. Um, the truth is he's actually for you. He's for me. He's for our joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. God is for you. It's not about you. It's not about me, but he's for me. He's for you. And the point I'm trying to make is God's not cruel. If you read the gospel accounts, you'll find Jesus full of disruptive joy, and he's like constantly disrupting plans for the good of doing God's will. And what I'd like to remind myself, and I'd like to offer the, the reminder to you, is that we are a footnote in God's story. Uh, God is not a footnote in our story. God does not exist to serve our will, plans, or agenda. We are a footnote serving His will, His plans, and agenda. And often we get it wrong or imperfect, which means that He has to, out of love, for our joy, disrupt our plans to remind us that he is the star of the story. He is the author of the story. He is the director of the story. Last week, we mentioned that Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And uh, today, I'd like to add another saying to it. In John 4, Verse 34, he says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. For Jesus, his food was the words of God and doing the will of God. Now, if the King of kings and the Lord of lords said that he was actually fed and nourished and sustained by doing his Father's will, then we should all heed the advice of Dr. Tony Evans, who said, Jesus' food was doing the will of his Father, so put it on your menu. Put it on your menu. We can do one of two things. We can allow God to interrupt our plans, and we can submit to his will and agenda, or we can ignore his will. We can boast in our arrogant plans and schemes. We can disobey God's will. We can resent and grow angry at God for interrupting our will and agenda. So what do you do if you're not sure what God's will is? It's actually simple. You start with what you know to do, and you do it. 
often in faith. As you go, you will know. And I, I kind of don't like that, but that's been my experience. And I know it's been so many others' experience with the Lord. Sometimes you gotta go before you know fully. And as I go in obedience, as I go, I start to know. Chapter four closes with verse 17, it says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Sometimes God reveals his will progressively. We take a step, he reveals the next step to take. After all, his word is a lamp unto our feet. I wish it was a spotlight that could light up the next mile, but usually God only gives me the next step. And even that step, even when it's a small step, it requires faith, requires trust, that he is in control, that he's for my joy, he's for my peace, he's never gonna let me down, he's working when I can't see it. Sometimes you gotta go before you know. So what are you eating? What are you nourished by? God's word? God's will? If not, put it on your menu. Abba Father, we say, your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us of the times where we have arrogantly made plans without consulting you and where we have arrogantly resented the changing of those plans. Lord, we just, uh, we, we just surrender everything to you. We open our hands. We give you every uh, vision of the future, every idea, every plan, every strategy, every preference. Lord, I surrender my preferences to your will. I just acknowledge that often my preferences and my opinions and my comforts are not the same thing as what you would will. Often, Lord, my comforts are not the same thing as your will. And I, I just acknowledge that, I confess that, and I ask for your help to come. Help us to be more like Jesus where we only do and say the things we see you doing and see you saying. Lord, help us to be like Christ, who received nourishment for doing the will of our Father. We ask for your help. Come, Holy Spirit, enable us to be the types of people who can actually walk in this way. And Lord, for um, our plans in the future, for what church looks like moving forward in this season and beyond the season, we just say, your will be done, your kingdom come. We surrender our preferences, we surrender what we want, we surrender what we're comfortable with. We ask you give us uh, an imagination to uh, see uh, ministry in particular, but also our whole lives, how you see it. Lead us, Lord, and we'll follow. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, we pray. Amen.
Hi, it's Sandy and this is Emmy, and uh, we're going to pray the way our Lord taught us in Spanish. Padre nuestro que estás en el cielo, santificado sea tu nombre. Venga tu reino, hágase tu voluntad en la tierra como en el cielo. Danos hoy nuestro pan de cada día, perdona nuestras ofensas, como también nosotros perdonamos a los que nos ofenden. No nos dejes caer en tentación y líbranos del mal, porque tuyo es el reino, el poder y la gloria por los siglos de los siglos. Amén.